This is Sportsnet Today with Riley Pollock and Patrick Dumas. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome to Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. I am Riley Pollock alongside Patrick Dumas. As we take you through the world of sports for the next hour, Patrick, how are you doing today? Good, good, brother. How you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. We have a busy hour for you today. In just a minute, we'll get to the radio voice of the Calgary Flames, Derek Wills. He's going to be on to chat Flames and give, give a bit of a preview for tonight. And later on, we'll have Annie O'Donnell of the OD on Sports podcast to get us up to date on some former Flames rivals in the West Division. Possibly squeeze a little football in there too before we... Send you off to Pat Steinberg at 3 o'clock for Flames Game Day Live. He will get you set for tonight's 5 o'clock puck drop between the Flames and the Habs. But now let's go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to chat with the radio voice of the Calgary Flames, Derek Wills. Derek, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys? Not too bad. Not too bad. Happy to have you on for the first time on our new new show. (laughs) Yeah, congrats on the new show. Thank you very much. You I very guess much. Uh, we have to start with, I'm assuming what everyone's thinking about right now. Is there any update on Dylan Dubé ahead of tonight's game? Nope. <laughs> Jeff Ward <laughs> said this morning that he's uh, still day-to-day. So we'll have to wait and see. He did take the morning skate before Thursday's game, which led me to believe there was a pretty good chance he was going to play. He didn't. And we'll have to wait and see if, if taking the morning skate prior to today's game means that he'll play tonight. I think there's a pretty good chance that uh, he's back in the lineup after missing the last three games. But uh, until we see the line rushes during warm-up, we won't know. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, this team started out pretty hot, 2-0-1 to begin the season. What What has changed, I guess, in the past three games from your perspective on this Flames team? Well, I like most of the first three games, guys. And truth be told, I liked a lot of what I saw in the fourth game. And three pucks went in off of bodies, two off of Flames players and one off of a Maple Leafs player in the Flames' first regulation loss of the season and the first of those back-to-back games against the Leafs. Uh, didn't like the first period in the rematch. Liked them better in the second and third period. Still a little bit loose defensively, but you know they fought back and then got back to 3-3 in that game before finally losing it 4-3. But I didn't like much of what I saw in the first back-to-back games against the Canadians on Thursday night. The Flames were fine, not good, not bad, kind of in between in the first period, at least five on five. But they gave up a couple of power play goals and put themselves behind the eight ball against a team that just checked them right into the ground in the final 40 minutes. And I know the Flames scored two goals in the final couple of minutes to make that game look closer than it actually was but for me that was a step back guys for a number of different reasons the the biggest one being and we've heard it time and time again over the last couple of days is coaches and players have reflected on that 4-2 loss but the effort and and the pushback I just I didn't see it against the Canadians on Thursday night and you know even though I didn't like that first period against the Maple Leafs on Tuesday night Flames got outshot 10-1 in the opening 20 minutes at least they pushed back in the second and third periods, and they just looked completely frustrated and out of sorts in the final 40 minutes against the Habs two nights ago. So they're going to have to be a lot better against a team that's been almost perfect at 5-0-2 this season in tonight's rematch. Yeah, Montreal has certainly looked good. It's uh, Markstrom versus Allen, as I think most people expected, but 
you can't really blame that game against Montreal on David Riddick at all, who's only played really two games since March, and one of them was in relief. So, yeah, definitely need a better start from the Flames tonight. Um, what do you make of the heat Yuso Valimaki has taken after the past couple games? Because, in my opinion, I thought he was he was pretty good in the first few games, and uh, I kind of chalk it up to the fact that he really is just a rookie, and I feel like people are maybe asking a little bit too much of him early on, but what, what's your take on Yusuf Alamaki? Yeah, he set the bar really high with the way he played in the first, not only three games, but I think four games. I think him and Nikita Nestrov were good in that first game against the Maple Leafs as well, but you know that pairing as a whole has slipped in the last couple of games, and you know, there are going to be ups and downs in a player's rookie season in this league, and you know people forget that you go back a couple of years, and he was limited to 44 games, 20 in the AHL and 24 in the NHL back in 2018-2019 because of a high ankle sprain, and then he missed all of last season with a torn ACL in his right knee. So, you know, Yusuf Alamaki may be 22, but he's playing in his first full NHL season here. So there are going to be ups and downs. And I think for the most part, the Flames' third pairing has been one of the bright spots to this point in the season. But there's some work to do coming off the last couple of games. But you know, I think people are, are being a little bit too hard on Yuso. He hasn't had the best puck luck either. I mean, I thought that penalty call on him in the first period on Thursday night was questionable at best. And then the Canadian score on the power play, so he takes some heat for that. And then a puck that was going to go wide of the net bounces off of him and into the net. And, and that's bad luck more than anything else. It's not like he was in a, a bad position there. So, you know, he hasn't had the best luck in the last couple of games, but I still think there's uh, plenty of room for him to grow and, and he'll continue to get better. And, and his partner has been a good one. I mean, Nesterov, I, I think he's slipped a little bit in the last two games as well, but it's going to happen. And I mean, when you compare that third pairing to the first pairing, you could argue that the third pairing, even though they're not playing the the same types of minutes, they're not playing uh, the difficult minutes that Mark Giordano and Rasmus Anderson are, you could argue that, you know, those two pairings have struggled at times this season with the second pairing of Noah Hannafin and, and Chris Tanev definitely, at least in my opinion, being the, the Flames' best defense pairing six games into the season. So with a rookie, you're going to have to live with some ups and downs. There have been way more ups than downs with Yusuf Alamaki to, to this point in the season. So uh, I expect him and his partner, Nikita Nesterov, to bounce back tonight. Yeah, for sure. And I guess you mentioned Tanev and Hannafin. They've been so good together. What have they done that's so right? I believe they haven't given up a goal while they're, those two are on the ice so far this season. Yeah, five on five, they've been pretty much perfect. No goals against. And I think they've just made a, a really good pairing. And sometimes it takes time for a new pairing to figure out their timing and, and to find chemistry together. But really, since the get-go, and, and these guys were put together, I believe, for the second intra-squad game is when they switched up the top two pairings. But you know, there haven't been many bumps in the road for the pairing of Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev. And you know, what's crazy to me when you think about Hannafin, he, he just turned 24 on Monday, and he's only five regular season games away from 500 in the league. I mean, that is mind-boggling. It's hard for a guy to become a full-time NHLer at 18, but as the fifth overall pick of the Hurricanes back in, in 2015, he did that. And, and I think there's still room offensively for Noah Hannafin to grow. He has all the physical tools, and we're starting to see it a little bit more this season. 
So I, I suspect he'll probably start to put up some points here. And one of the things that uh, I think has helped him take a step forward this season is his partner. Uh, I knew Chris Tanev was a really good defensive defenseman. I mean, the Flames have played against the Canucks enough over the years that it's hard not to know that about Chris Tanev. But uh, I must admit, fellas, there's more there offensively than I thought there was. And when you watch a guy day in, day out in, in practices and inter-squad games and now in some regular season games, you, you, you tend to notice more things about the way they play. And sometimes those are bad things. But sometimes, in, and in the case of Chris Tanev, those are good things. So I think those two guys have fed off of each other. They've made each other better. And, and the Flames now have two and on some nights even three pairings that Jeff Ward, who's the head coach, and Ryan Huska, who's one of his assistants and in charge of the defense during games, that they feel comfortable putting on the ice against anybody and in any situation. And I really think the Flames' depth on defense this season is going to be one of their strengths. Knock on wood, they stay healthy, but I really like their top six. And, and that second pairing's played more like a first pairing at this point in the season, which is great when you've got Giordano and Anderson forming your first pairing. Yeah, and another strength of this team so far has been the power play. It's been absolutely on fire, no pun intended, this season. 33.3% so far. And uh, what have they done so well that's got the power play going? And what, what can the Flames do to maybe transfer that a bit more to five-on-five play? Well, I think the key to the power play, and it's been this way for a long time, guys, is Johnny Gaudreau. He is the straw that serves the drink when it comes to the Flames' first power play. And I know there are some things that uh, have upset fans and, and media members and maybe even coaches and teammates this season with his play without the puck. But with the puck, he's been dynamic. He's looked like Johnny Hockey. He's got a lot of jump in his step, and he's dancing around out there. And when he's playing at the high level that he is offensively, the Flames are going to be more successful in the power play just because, again, he's kind of where it all starts for them. So, you know, Johnny Gaudreau's play on the power play has been a big factor for them. And I've really liked Rasmus Anderson as the quarterback of the first power play. The last couple of games, I don't think he's been quite as effective. I'd like to see him shoot the puck more at the top of that power play. But then again, he was doing that in the first four games. And I think teams maybe have adjusted to that and they've tried to take the shot away, which is fine because that's going to open up some passing lanes and some other things for the Flames. But, you know, Rasmus Anderson's been a good fit uh, as the quarterback of that first power play. So he's helped, and, and confidence is a, a real key for me as well, guys. If you lack confidence on the power play, it's hard to score. Uh, but if you have that intangible, it just seems to be so much easier. And the Flames' power play has been clicking since game one of the season. They've scored at least one power play goal in each and every one of the games they've played. That's actually the second longest streak to start a season in franchise history. The only team to have a longer streak of games from the start of the season with at least one power play goal was the 1988-1989 team, and that season ended pretty well for them. So we'll see if the Flames can stretch that power play streak to, to seven tonight. But you bring up a really good point, talking about the power play and how much success they've had, and then their five-on-five play, and they're still trying to, to really find themselves five-on-five this season. Flames have scored 18 goals, guys. Nine of them have been on the power play. The majority of the game has played five on five, so they're going to have to be better at even strength moving forward. But I think that, that the confidence you gain on the power play, because you're using your top guys on that power play, tends to carry over to five on five play. Flames haven't had the best puck luck this season, certainly at the defensive end of the ice. 
uh, offensively. Uh, they're not getting the types of bounces that uh, their opponents have in some games. So you have to, if you're a fan of the team or a, a coach or a player, cross your fingers and, and hope that uh, karma comes into play at some point in time here. And, and some of the puck luck that their opponents have had, they start to have. But uh, five on five, it's a bit more difficult. You've got to worry more about uh, taking care of things without the puck and defensively than you do when you're on the power play. But uh, power play has been great. And uh, now for the team to, to take the next step and, and snap this three-game losing streak, I suspect they're going to have to be a lot better five on five tonight. Do you see any lineup adjustments coming besides Markstrom going back in goal, of course, or do you do you kind of feel like they might stick with the group that uh, lost 4-2 on Thursday? Well, it's a good question, and it's something that I've been thinking about really since the end of that game on Thursday night. Uh, what will Jeff Ward do? And plenty of players have talked about the lack of emotion that the Flames appeared to have in that 4-2 loss to the Canadians, and we all saw it. And even Jeff Ward has addressed it and talked about the importance of of playing the game with controlled emotion. Now, there's good emotion and there's bad emotion. We've seen some bad emotion from the Flames in the last two or three games, and and that has turned into frustration. They need to figure out a way to play that same frustrating brand of hockey that we saw the Canadians play on Thursday night. Because, you know, as much as we've talked about what the Flames did or didn't do in that game, how about what the Habs did and didn't do? They did a lot of good things and very few bad things. And they were difficult to play against. And the Flames, they have the ability to play that way too. So uh, whether or not he makes any changes outside of the goaltender, going from David Riddick to to Jacob Markstrom, and I'm with you, I I don't think you can pin Thursday's loss on Riddick at all. Didn't like the breakaway goal that he gave up, but it was kind of a weird one. Puck was bouncing. It was behind the player and made just for a, a tricky save for him that he wasn't able to make. And, Goaltenders always hate it when the puck gets through him, and that one got through him. So you can call it a bad goal if you want. But, hey, Carey Price gave up a bad goal at the other end as well. So that kind of evened out. So I have a hard time pinning that loss in the goaltender. Now, Jacob Markstrom, you could argue, has been the Flames' most valuable player this season. So I'm pretty confident he's going to do his part to give the team a chance to win tonight. Beyond that, I was thinking that Jeff Ward might make one change in the blue line because that third pairing has slipped a little bit in the last couple of games. But... Now, we talked about it on the Daily Calgary Flames Roundtable the last couple of days, and I must admit that Will Nault kind of swung me. He said, uh, why not give that third pairing a chance to bounce back? They played so well in the first three or four games of the year. Give them a chance to bounce back. So, you know, that's what I would do if I was Jeff Ward. Your options, of course, would be Oliver Shillington and Connor Mackey. Are either one of those guys an upgrade on Yusuf Alamaki or Nikita Nesterov? I'm not sure that at this point in time in the season they are. So I would stick with the same six defensemen. I think where it gets interesting, guys, is that forward. If Dylan Dubé is ready to come back, he goes in. Where does he play? I'd probably put him back where he was, and that's on the right side of the top line with Elias Lindholm and Matthew Kachuk, and that'll cause a trickle-down effect. Without Dubé, the Flames don't slot as well, and they're still trying to figure out what to do on the right side. You move Lindholm from right wing to center, and he goes from being your best right winger to your best center. But now you've got a hole on the right side with him playing up the middle. And the Flames are still trying to figure out how to fill that hole and figure out what combinations work and don't work. And you know, they've tried playing guys on the left and on the right, guys like Bennett and, and Mangiapane and Kachak have kind of flopped back and forth. And, you know, I think they need a bit more from, from some guys, including 
Sam Bennett, who still hasn't scored a goal this season. Andrew Majapani hasn't scored a goal this season. A couple of newcomers. We've seen some good things, but I don't think enough yet from Josh Levo and Dominic Simon. So we'll have to wait and see what Jeff Ward decides to do tonight. If, if Dubé comes in, he's going to have to take somebody out. I think the easy guy to take out, and, and I don't think he's played poorly, but he does seem to be either the 12th or the 13th forward is Joachim Nordstrom. So I guess if you're going to make one change, that would be the easiest one to make. But beyond that, let's say Dylan Dubé is ready to return and you want to insert somebody like Zach Ronaldo into your lineup, a guy who might not be as skilled as some other guys, but he can skate. And if you feel like your team's lacking emotion, there might not be a guy who plays the game with more emotion that the Flames have available to them than Zach Ronaldo. So if you want to give your team a shot in the arm and put him in the lineup, I think the difficult question to answer, fellas, is then who do you take out? So if Dubé comes in and Nordstrom comes out, if you want to play Ronaldo or, or somebody else, Buddy Robinson, Glenn Godden, whoever, who's the second player to come out? I think that's where it gets a little tricky. So we'll see what the lines and pairings look like in warm-up, and uh, I'll be watching pretty closely because uh, I'm anxious to see what the Flames bench boss decides to do tonight. You are listening to Sportsnet today on Sportsnet 960. The fan, we're with the radio voice of the Calgary Flames, Derek Wills. Patrick? Afternoon, Derek. It's a big milestone for uh, Gio and uh, Matt Kachuk tonight. Gio playing game 900, Kachuk playing game 300. Kind of symbolic that it seems like one captain playing such a historic game mark. And then we assume the next captain playing a, a huge mark. And I know those two go, matter so much to this team. Kachuk, we see what he brings. What do you want to see out of Gio? We know he's 37. We know his, he's on a decline. What do you need to see from Gio on that top pair? Yeah, I don't think that he's played his best hockey to this point in the season. I still think there's there's time for him to, to turn things around, obviously. We're, we're six games into a 56-game regular season schedule. I believe that he will be better. I've used this analogy with Milan Lucic before. I'm going to use it with Mark Giordano. He's 37, and I look at Mark Giordano as an old muscle car. Once he gets warmed up, he's going to be tough to play against. But right now, he's getting warmed up. You have to remember that for the first time in his career, he's jumped into regular season games without playing any preseason games. We know he's in great shape. He's always first or second in Flames fitness testing. So we know that he's done the work off the ice to put himself in a position to have success on the ice. But Mark Giordano and Rasmus Anderson, in my opinion, haven't played to their potential on a regular basis so far this season. So that the Flames do indeed need more from them. But, you know, it's difficult because they're getting the tough matchups every night. They're usually the pairing that's out there against the other team's top line. Both guys are getting time on the power play, and on both sides of special teams playing some penalty kill time as well. So, you know, they log a lot of tough minutes. Do the Flames need more from both of those guys? Absolutely, but I believe that they're going to get more from both of those guys. And, fellas, I've been around this team for seven seasons now, and I've seen lots of ups and downs, and, and I've, you know, paid close attention to how they respond to adversity. And you think about how much adversity they faced both on and off the ice last season and look at how they responded to it. I think in a really good way. I think that this early season adversity could be good for Jordano and the Flames because you'd rather face it early in the season than late in the season. And, and based on everything that I've seen from them and heard from them the last couple of days, I've got to think they're going to be a lot better 
in game two against the Canadians than they were in game one. And, and I think it all starts with the captain. He's the leader of this team in more ways than one. And I think he's going to be better tonight. And last one for me, Derek, uh, starting tonight, six games, including four against the Jets, one more at the Habs, one with the Oilers. How important is this stretch in the long term? We're going to see David Rick. We might see more like Connor Mackey, Oliver Shillington. How important is this six game stretch in the long term? Oh, it's really important. I, I mean, the good news, if you're a fan of the team or a, a member of the team, is they've only played six games. Everybody else in the North Division has played at least seven. Canucks have played ten. So the Flames, if you look at points, they're, they're a little bit behind the eight ball right now. The Maple Leafs have 14, the Canadians 12, the Jets and the Canucks 10, and then the Oilers have six. The only team they're ahead of uh, is the Senators. So it's a really important stretch. They've got to get it turned around. They've got to stop the bleeding, and it's got to start tonight. Well, thanks so much for hopping on with us today, Derek. It was a blast. I always love your opinion on the Flames, as you are one of the closest people to the action at all times. Uh, have fun with the call tonight, and I'm sure we will talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me on, guys. Keep up the good work, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right. See you, Derek. There he goes, Derek Wills, radio voice of the Calgary Flames. You'll he'll hear from him shortly. He has the call of the Flames and Montreal Canadiens just after 5 o'clock this evening. Patrick and myself are in our home studios today, but our producer, Kyle Lauderdale, working out of the Iconic studio powered by Iconic Electric and Controls. Iconic is proudly owned and operated from Western Canada since 2008. They take great pride in giving back to the communities that we all work and live in. Community, it's Iconic. Contact them at IconicEC.ca today. All right, when we come back, we are very excited to be chatting some hockey and a little football too with Annie O'Donnell of OD on Sports Podcast. Stay with us. This is Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Back to Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to Sportsnet Today. I'm Riley Pollock with Patrick Dumas. We are pleased to welcome our next guest down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Annie O'Donnell of the OD on Sports Podcast. How are we doing today, Annie? I'm doing well. How about you guys? We are doing very well. We're just leading into the Flames pregame show today. So lots of hockey, 12 games on the schedule. But we're looking for a little bit of U.S. division talk from you. As up here in the North Division, we haven't got a whole lot of NHL talk from down there. So with the new realignment, obviously haven't been getting a ton of updates from the three U.S. divisions. But give us a breakdown of the West Division because it looks super competitive so far. Well, first of all, I want to say I miss being, we kind of miss playing against you guys. It's, I like those Canadian road trips that the, the, my hometown Ducks would go on. So it's very weird not having Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver on the schedule. But honestly, I mean, it's a competitive division. It's still very early on. Obviously, a lot can change. But, um, I mean, the kind of expected front runners are the front runners: the Vegas Golden Knights, the St. Louis Blues, the Colorado Avalanche, all three, a lot of people's uh, – pick for the Stanley Cup winner this year, but uh, I'm, as far as being a Southern California hockey fan, I'm quite shocked that there's two teams, specifically the Kings and the Ducks, that most people had finishing at the bottom that are currently sitting at a 500 record, so not terrible. You know, I think for, for those of us, you kind of go into the season 
just low expectations and take what you can get when you're in a rebuilding year. But, I mean, like the Kings, they've got Andre Kopitar is very quietly, you know, fourth in the league in points. I think he's got 12 with one goal and 11 assists just in the last, you know, eight games that he's played. So we haven't heard a lot, you know, too much about that just because Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are leading up there in the point total. But still quietly making his mark and getting some of those wins on the board for the Kings. But it's been exciting. Uh, just happy hockey's back. And it is a little weird just with the schedule, you know, 12 games today. We had, what, 14 games on Thursday and then just one game yesterday. So that's a little off. I do wish it was a little bit more balanced. So you could kind of switch back and forth a little bit more. But like I said, hockey's back, uh, given the state of the world, so all is well. Annie, how's the North Division been viewed from afar? Like, we see it all night. Oh, Leafs playing the Habs, Jets playing the Oilers, whatever. It's We're all <laughs> rivals, it feels. Like, how do you guys view us from atop? How, like, battling all every night? I, uh, I mean, my dad grew up a Montreal Canadian fan, so he's a diehard Habs fan. So or well, we always go, have the Habs on TV whenever they're on, which has been very exciting to see. I had them, I, I kind of made picks for teams that will make the playoffs, and the Habs were one of them. And a lot of people didn't have them, but they're playing some great hockey right now. Um, it's always entertaining. Just, I mean, obviously you get it with COVID and the restrictions of why there has to be just one division in Canada, but it feels like, they're doing the most travel right now, clearly, because they're going, I mean, you got to go cross country for some battles. So that shouldn't be taken lightly when, you know, you think about some of these matchups. But I'm, I'm just enjoying hockey, watching hockey where I can, and that includes in the North Division. Agreed, yeah. With all the three California teams, maybe not so much the Sharks lately, but the for sure the Kings and the Ducks, it, it's been pretty good this year for them. Which of the three, maybe of the two, do you see could make, uh, that top four in the West? Oh, I mean, I don't want to... For me, I mean, growing up a Ducks fan, the only way that the Ducks can possibly make the playoffs... I mean, for one, John Gibson is the reason that they're sitting at a 500 record. He's been playing phenomenal hockey. And, uh, I mean, I have... I'm biased, but I'm one of John Gibson's best supporters. I think he's severely overlooked and underrated, and a lot of that is because of where he plays and the current state of the Ducks and the team he has in front of him. If the off- if the Ducks offense can wake up, stay healthy, and help Gibson out a little bit, actually a lot, let's be real, a lot. They have the worst offense in the league right now. If the offense can step up and Gibby keeps playing the way he's playing, I could see the Ducks making a push for that fourth playoff spot. I do think it's going to end up being the Minnesota Wild. They've been playing great hockey so far as well. Um, the Kings could. It's just kind of like one of those things where with a shortened season, it's all about who gets hot at the right time, who stays healthy, and that's you know why the taxi squad is so important, You know, using your guys, giving them rest when they need it. I'm still – I don't think the three California teams are going to see the playoffs this year uh, just from where I'm sitting now. But uh, I guess with this, with a shortened season, anything can happen. Yeah, I agreed. We know what goalies can do for teams that maybe aren't as good as the, you know, like the team is above them, but the goalies can mask a lot of deficiency. And that's where I want to go. John Gibson, uh, you say he's very underrated. And I think Flames fans know from the 2017 playoffs how good he is. And that was his rookie year. And he's <laughs> kind of been as the state of the team as, you know, going down a little bit. But this year he's showing that next level. You know, is is he finally there, or is he on the cusp of being a Vesna contender? I think he's absolutely where I'm sitting right now. He's a Vesna contender. I mean, just in 
He's got he's in seven starts. His goal saved above average is 8.17. The closest one is Corpusalo down at 5.09. I mean, dude has been playing lights out. And then you think about, you look at save percentage, he's pulling up a .942, which not is, I think it's fifth in the league right now. But then you look at the minutes he's played. You look at the games he started. No other goalie in the top five has started seven games. And he's clocked in over 400 minutes. And there's not a goalie in the top 10 that's even close to 400 minutes. So given the workload he has and the just mediocre offense here, so the Ducks have only scored one power play goal so far, and that was just in the last game against Arizona, against another very underrated goaltender in Darcy Kemper. But given what he has to work with, I mean, he's carrying this team on his back right now. It is a miracle that they are above five, uh, at 500, excuse me. But my biggest concern is, you know, the offense does have to wake up and step up. That's where you need guys like Ryan Getzlaff, who's a known playmaker, to step up into that captain role. He's in the last year of that big contract of his. Make a mark, go out on top if you're going to leave at the end of this year. I don't think he is, but he might. You know, you never know. You could want to sign somewhere, go win a cup. I don't know. I don't know his life. But time for him to step up. You got your Cam Fowler. I mean, Silverberg, Adam Henrique. Those guys need to wake up play their role because otherwise I mean your risk for one you're risking Gibby getting injured which could impact a vet in a year and could impact the Ducks possibly making that playoff run but in my opinion and I actually said this on my show this week and it's a bold claim but not only if the Ducks finish above 500 and somehow make the playoffs John Gibson should not only be a Vesna candidate but he should be a Hart Trophy candidate because he's clearly the most valuable player on that team. We're talking with Annie O'Donnell of the OD on Sports Podcast. Riley. Annie, I had the pleasure of growing up in Regina, Saskatchewan, so I got to watch Sam Steele and Josh Mahura for their entire junior careers. What are the opinions of those two from the Ducks fan base? Right now, I think uh, it's interesting with the young guys right now. I think... You see them play really well in the AHL with the San Diego Gold when they made their deep run back when Dallas Eakins, our now head coach, was the head coach there. And I think now you're kind of in that space where they said, okay, they're in the league now. First year, kind of getting their feet wet. You don't expect, you know, you always expect that transition. And then now it's kind of like, all right, when are they going to make the jump? When are they going to make the jump into these elite players that general manager Bob Murray thinks they are? And that's been kind of his plan with this. He's not calling it a rebuild. He's calling it a retool. General managers don't want to use the word rebuild because fans don't like that. That means losing. That does, that means no playoffs. But with this retool, his constant message has been, you know, the young guys, it's time for them to step up. You know, the Troy Terrys, the Sam Steeles, and the Max Comtois, who's, he's been playing incredible hockey for us, by the way. But I think it's just at that point where, you know, you know what they're capable of. We know what they're capable of. And it's – time to gear it in and we're just waiting for it to flourish on the NHL ice yeah it's certainly they certainly met ex- expectations at the junior level now it's just about breaking through that ceiling in the NHL all right I think we're gonna shift to the NFL a little bit I know you have some uh, great opinions on these two things firstly where do you think Deshaun Watson ends up where is he starting week one next season it's for me Picking a team where he's going to go, which I find very funny that, you know, the Texans came out and said he's not going anywhere. I, I don't think that'll end up happening. You can't 
build a promising season around a, a quarterback, a franchise quarterback at that, that doesn't want to be there. So I do think he will end up being traded. It's just a matter of what team, what the Texans want and what team is going to be able to do so. I, you know, you got to think a team that has draft picks, a lot of them, and a quarterback replacement. So a few options that come to mind for me are the New York Jets, obviously the Miami Dolphins that are both on their list. Both have two first-round picks this coming draft. And then also the Carolina Panthers, where you have Teddy Bridgewater and the number eight pick in the round in the draft this year. But I think, yeah, the Dolphins have number three and 18 in the first round, plus Tua Tagovailoa, who is rumored that the Dolphins don't think he's their guy. And then the Jets, where you have a very promising quarterback in Sam Darnold. I stand on my ground that Sam Darnold is not the problem in New York. It was Adam Gase. And given the right coaching and, you know, with the Jets' new coaching hire, I think he should be given a chance under that coaching, under this new coaching regime. But, you know, the Jets have the second overall pick and number 23 from the Seattle Seahawks with the Jamal Adams trade. I think the Jets could be a good fit, but also, you know, Deshaun Watson does have his no movement clause, so he does get to say where he wants to go. If I had to pick right now from where I'm standing, I would say the New York Jets. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one as well. It just seems to make the most sense for both parties. And I'm, I'm I've heard also that in agreement Deshaun that. Watson. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say that Dan, Sam Darnold is not the problem with the Jets. I think you can do a lot of things with that number two pick, but you can't say no to Deshaun Watson. I get that. Yeah, for well, sure. The thing, and the thing you got to think you think about, too, is, you know, Deshaun Watson wanting to go to the Jets. You know, when you trade away those two first-round picks, like, the Jets have a lot of spaces they need to fill and a lot of vacancies, you know. No elite weapons, really. they got to fix that offensive line. So trading away those two first-round picks for another great quarterback, does it really solve their problem? So that's part. That's the only thing that has me not thinking the Jets. And then there's also – I lived in Chicago for two years, so all my Bears fans are hoping that, that the Bears make it right and fix their mistake from the draft when they traded up and passed on Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes to take Mitch Trubisky. I don't see that happening, though. But I'm sticking with the Jets. That's what I'm comfortable with. And last one from me. Uh, We're just over a week away from the Super Bowl. Do you have a a pick yet? Are you leading towards the Bucs or the Chiefs? Um, I mean, I'm still kind of going back and forth, but... I know Tom Brady has lost in the Super Bowl before at the hands, of course, Eli Manning and uh, Nick Foles, but I, it's hard to bet against him in the Super Bowl. It really is. Plus that home field advantage. I, I'm, I think I'm going to take the Bucks, despite the fact that Kansas City just has a seems like an unstoppable offense, but I think Tom Brady finds a way to get it done. Yeah, I mean, I really just want Tom Brady to go away, but I'm kind of feeling the same way. <laughs> same. It's uh, what I, the, that, off, the that offense. Really, the match, yeah, the matchup I really wanted uh, was I wanted the Buffalo Bills against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because there is nobody that Tom that Bills fans have loathed playing against than Tom Brady. And Tom Brady finished his not finished his career, excuse me, but was 32-3 and three against the Bills while in the AFC East against the Patriots. So, of course, they rejoiced when he left the division. And I just thought it would have been poetic 
so funny if the year that the Bills make the Super Bowl, they still got to get through Tom Brady to win it. It would be perfect, perfect for Buffalo. <laughs> uh, last, last one for uh, for me, Annie. What's happening at uh, OD on Sports Pad? Yes, you mentioned you had a, a new episode. I do, yeah. We dropped it on Thursday after Thursday, Thursday morning, yeah. Just talked uh, the Desha- I talked about Deshaun Watson. That was the day uh, the news came out. Also, Trevor Bauer, who is still a free agent, but probably expected to sign sometime soon because pitchers and catchers do report in less than a month for the MLB season, which is very hard to believe. It feels like the Dodgers just won the World Series a couple weeks ago. And um, also talking about, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar up north, if you're familiar with the debacle between uh, the NWHL, the Women's Hockey League, and Erica Nardini and Barstool Sports. So kind of sounded off on my uh, opinion on the, the drama surrounding that situation. But yeah, I just kind of each week just take either headlines, stories, or, you know, popular debates that I want to talk about. And yeah, that's, that put together my show. <laughs> Yeah, it was perfect. I listened to the reverse retro review one. It was it was awesome. Uh, you love the Buffalo one. <laughs> what what was your favorite for someone who hasn't listened to it yet? My favorite. I mean, I'm I'm gonna be kind of biased. I'll, I'll leave the Ducks one out of that because I am a Ducks <laughs> fan. That I do have that one sitting in my closet right now. I'm a big. I love the '90s. I love those just fun logos. That era of sports where teams were really creative and out there with colors. Um, but the thing, the trend that I liked a lot was the tying in the past with like an integration with colors. So I really liked the Colorado Avalanche one with the the ode to the Quebec Nordiques. I loved the Capitals one. Very simple, taking the screaming eagle, but just putting their normal colors on it now. I thought that was a simple change, but it just I thought sang. Same with the Panthers, take bringing back the their original uh, Panthers logo. And who else? I'm trying to think. What else? What else? One of my favorites. I did love the Buffalo one. Obviously, that goat head is my number two favorite logo of all time. I think it's severely underrated. I love it. I have so much merch with it. <laughs> I do wish they put the goat head on the front. That's my only critique of that yeah. jersey. But I would say my favorite would have to be the Colorado Avalanche one. Yeah, the Nordique. Everybody loves that. Yeah. Well, th- yeah, thank you so much, Annie. Uh, all the best on Odeon Sports, and we will uh, t- have you soon. This was awesome. Yo, thank you so much. This was a blast. <laughs> all right, you have have take day. care. Stay safe down there, okay? All right, you guys as well. Thanks so much. Thank you. There you go. That was Annie O'Donnell of the OD on Sports podcast with a great look into the West Division and some of her thoughts on NFL news as well. All our guests come to us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. They are available for takeout and delivery when you are tired of cooking. Call 403-248-3344, Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Well, when we come back, we'll wrap up the show with a look at some of the other action around the NHL. Talk about what the next move is for the Toronto Blue Jays before we hand you off to Pat Steinberg and Flames Game Day Live at 3 o'clock. This is Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Sportsnet Today. Listen on the air, online, on the Sportsnet app, and always on your smart speaker. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Calgary. 
Welcome back to the final segment of Sportsnet today. We've had a great show so far. Chatted some flames with the radio voice of the Calgary Flames, Derek Wills, in the first segment. Some more hockey and football talk with Annie O'Donnell as well. You can catch the entire show in podcast form on our website, sportsnet.ca slash 960 later today. Patrick, there's a, there's a lot more hockey than just the Flames today. 11 games on the schedule, including seven others that start at 5 o'clock with the Flames game. Uh, how about we run through a few of them, starting with the North Division? Yeah, it's... well, we obviously got the Flames and Habs coming up at 5 o'clock. Uh, Pat Steinberg will get you ready at Flames Game Day Live at 3. But, yeah, the, the Jeff Ward said it in that clip that Kyle played. This is a big Game 6 for the Flames. Absolutely. it's uh, They're on a three-game losing streak. The Habs on a three-game winning streak. Flames get their starting goalie back in net and you have to expect a big first period from this team because uh, their start in the game on Thursday wasn't very good. They've And they haven't really put a full 60 minutes together in the last three or four games. No, it's frustrating. Like, listening to overtime there on Thursday, there was a lot of hopelessness, a lot of just negativity, and I get it. Like, it's been like this for a long time here in Calgary. I sense the frustration, uh, but, like, I don't know if you can say, oh, it's early, because really, like, Vancouver's got, what, 40 games left. You know, these games go fast. Uh, so tonight, like, you see what 19 brings. Last two games, like, you had the Muzzin puck flip. Sure, people went off on them for the little freakout, but I liked it. Everybody else was standing around doing nothing. Same with on Saturday, or rather on Thursday. Just no there's no grit. There's no identity in this team right now. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it seems like uh, Kachuk's trying to just drag the team into the battle some of the time. Exactly. So uh, we'll we'll have to see. There is uh, the Flames and Habs again. Kick it off at about five o'clock. We have two hours of pregame with Pat Steinberg coming up in about uh, ten minutes or so. Uh, Toronto and Edmonton also starts at five o'clock, and the Leafs looking for their fifth straight win, looking to go to eight and two on the season against the Oilers, who are 3-6 and six and looking to snap a two-game slide. it's uh, It's been pitched as Matthews versus McDavid a lot this year, and it seems like Matthews and Dryside will need about three or four points each for Edmonton to even be in hockey games so far this year, Patrick. Yeah, McDavid, Dryside, that's it. They're, they they don't have a, a real option in net after Koskinen. Their defense has taken a huge hit. So this is a big one from the Oilers. 3-7, and seven, like I said, you know, you don't want to get down so early, but these Leafs, they are as build. They are dangerous, and Edmonton's going to have to get a little more help uh, from outside of 97 and uh, Dracidal. Yeah, and then the uh, the other North Division game tonight is the late game. It's an 8 o'clock start between the Jets and the Canucks. The Canucks on a three-game winning streak. It looks like maybe they've kind of found their game. Elias Pettersson has looked a lot better in the last couple of games. The Jets, to me, I know that uh, you're from those parts. Uh, five and two is a is a surprising start to me. I thought they had a good top six and a good goaltender, but I was a little bit worried about everywhere else on that roster. But Adam Lowry has really stepped it up, and once uh, Pierre Luc Dubois comes in, they're going to be so deep down the middle. And I I like this Jets team a lot more than I thought I was going to at the start of the season. Yeah, heading in even before Dubois, they were good at center. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't Euler Maple Leaf esque, but it was good. And now with Stasny 
not uh, relied on as a second line center. You can put Dubois there or put Dubois on the wing. It, it changes the whole like dynamic of that top six. And with the bottom six playing well, uh, Cop Lowry, they're doing their work. Uh, Trevor Lewis has been a nice signing. Uh, defensively, surprising. Morsey's been good. DeMello's been good. Derek Forbork, one of the best signings of the offseason. Very, very underrated. We saw what he did here in Calgary. He changed the – he doesn't let – he's very defensive defenseman, like very Robin Regeer-esque, a little bigger, obviously. But Forbork's changed the defensive methodology in that team. And obviously, you can't say enough with Connor Hellebuck. He had a bad game against Edmonton, but the offense bailed him out. Nick Ehlers, uh, look at that. He's picking up where Line A left off. It's uh, it's it's good start for them. And then, and they got Calgary coming up, so that's a huge four games in the next five. Yeah, and I guess before we go, let's just uh, switch it over to the Blue Jays really quick because they've yeah. made some big moves. We haven't really talked about them a whole lot yet, but George Springer, Stephen Matz, Marcus Semien all coming to the team uh, Duma, are they are they done or what's next for this Blue Jays team? No, they're not done yet. They got to add to that rotation one more. They're they got what two weeks still pitchers and catchers report. So uh, I think they can do a little more, one more to that rotation, maybe a little more in that bullpen. But that lineup, ooh, it's excited to be a Jays fan. They've already spent 184 and a half million, and the most out of anybody in baseball this offseason. So. It's 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 surprising. Yeah. Like it's it's refreshing for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure if they're big name hunting anymore, but no. uh it's uh they definitely I would like to see a little bit a little bit more in terms of pitchers, I guess. Uh, a little bit Jake higher Odorizzi. end pitchers. I like Jake Odorizzi. He's a yeah, Taiwan because Walker. They Yeah, go ahead. It seems like they're not interested in him for some reason. I mean Odorizzi. I thought he 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 was uh Walker, sorry. Oh Walker. Yeah, it just it seems like they could have had him by now because it seems like he's interested. Exactly. You know, he, <laughs> but, uh, he fit in yeah. well here. I agree with you because uh, it just seems like they have an ace and then a bunch of like three, four guys. Yeah, Robbie Gray, Tyler Chatwood. So. Yeah, yeah it's um, like what? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it, I was just gonna say it's it just seems like they they haven't quite filled out that rotation to where it needs to be. What about James Paxton? That would be nice. I would very much like that. I'm a big proponent of Canadians playing on the Jays. Yeah, tough season last week, last year, but uh, uh, he's big. I think he could fit in a three-four spot really well with the Jays. And then I, there was there's reports of a pretty darn big trade going on here. Nolan Arenado to the Cardinals. Um, I don't believe that they have all the pieces in yet, but uh, that would be absolutely huge for the Cardinals, as Arenado might be the best. Uh, best infielder in the league in terms of bat and defense yeah, if he's not one he's never number two for sure but that yeah. move for colorado they they're trying to take the raise model trying to you know you trade your big names you get rid of that money but i i kind of like they're giving st louis 50 million to take him essentially like i get it but the for the rumored return it's i get why rocky fans might be like come on man but the raise method, that's that's what I, I've heard what Colorado's trying to do. Yeah, it, it's interesting because he is so good that you'd think you'd think the patch package for him would be astronomical. But uh we'll have to see all the all the final details on that one as it keeps coming through. 
Yeah, it looks like uh, Austin Gomber, Luke and Baker, and John Torres are the three prospects that Colorado interesting uh, could receive. <laughs> that is interesting for sure. Uh, I'm sure Rocky fans aren't very stoked about that, but uh, you know what? They're gonna have to deal with it because it seems like it's been two full years of yeah, it's been two full years of trade rumors for Arenado, and it's finally come true. So good fit. St. Louis, yeah. like they yeah. always, it's just a good fit. Like that's, that's baseball USA for me is the St. Louis Cardinals. And that's a good fit. Yeah, for sure. All right. That will do it for today's episode of Sportsnet today. Thank you to our producer, Kyle Lauderdale, who kept us on track all hour long. Up next, we have Pat Steinberg with Flames Game Day Live as he gets you set for puck drop between the Flames and the Montreal Canadiens at five o'clock. Uh, Patrick, another great show. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing this, and I'll uh, talk to you next week. Thanks, buddy. Have a good uh, evening with the Flames and Habs. I will for sure. All right, that's been Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.